Life is an adventure, but just because I love road tripping doesn't mean I have to miss out on college football. Enter the Dish Tailgater Pro portable satellite antenna, which lets me watch live news, sports, and entertainment in HD anywhere in the continental United States. So whether you, you fish or hunt or RV or tailgate or road trip, driving around weird places, talking to strange people, it's TV is flexible as your travel plans. You can visit dishoutdoors.com for more and stay tuned for a very special offer coming up later in the show. Welcome to A Fork on the Road. I'm Mark DiCarlo, and next to me is the lovely and talented uh, traveling diva, Yenny Alvarez. Hi there. We have a great show for you today. This show is all about precision. We have the ultimate road warrior, the ultimate business traveler. This guy has traveled two million air miles. Wow. Two I can't million. even imagine that. Right. How long is that on a plane? How many hours is that on a plane? Well, you figure, you, you, you know, you figure. Because we have a lot, but I don't know that we have two million. Right. If you if you figure five hundred miles per hour, two million miles, that's well over twenty five hours in the air. Ouch. I mean, like well over. What? It's thousands of hours. <laughs> I, know. I, I thought maybe 25 no. at a time. It's, uh, <laughs> no, that's uh, yeah. not right. Anyway, Ryan League is the CEO of L37 Creative, and he is going to share with us all the tips and the tricks to maximize all your hotel and, most importantly, airplane mileage programs. Woo, that sounds fantastic. There are, airlines are always trying to just squeeze you a and make the miles more. less and less worth it. But now Ryan is here to save the day and teach you how to work the miles, get cheaper airfares. Avoid certain fees. Yeah, he's uh, he's uh, he's, well, he's traveled two million yep. miles. What more do you need to know? <laughs> He knows. He's going to be on the show. And then after that, we have the Imperial Booftar of the World Food Championships. He's going to be here talking about turning food into sport, which he has done very successfully for his fall of World Food Championships. Anywhere in the world, you can have a great recipe and turn it into cash. And he's going to show you how to do that. All of that on this episode of A Fork on the Road. So let's start it off with the road warrior of all road warriors. Mr. Ryan Lee. Most of the times on the show, we're talking to uh, actors and musicians, people who travel for a living, but there's a whole segment of the world that travels for a living that isn't singing songs or pretending to be somebody else. And today we have a premier, multi-gold, platinum, you name the precious metal, he's a business traveler, and he's going to give us all the tips and tricks to save money and to travel as effortlessly as possible uh, in today's day and age. He's flown over two million miles. He is an entrepreneur who runs L37 Creative in the heart of Chicago. It's Ryan Lee. Welcome to Fork on the Road, Ryan. Hey, Mark. Now, you've been running your own company for how long? About uh, five years now. And you've been in the event production business or production for how long? Gosh, it's probably been about 15 years I've been doing this. Okay. How many... What's your grand total of air miles? I am, you said 2 million. I am at 1.9 million and change. I am about to cross the 2 million mile threshold. Because if we waited till after he crossed the 2 million, he would never have consented to this interview. We got to catch him right before he explodes. <laughs> uh, 2 million miles. Have you ever worked out what percentage of the year you're actually in a plane? You know, my wife would kill me if I ever, if I ever actually did that math, but it's... You know, it's a huge part of your life, and you develop a lot of systems and best practices for how do you play this system, you know, the best way you can. As a commuter in Chicago, maybe you take the L and you know exactly which train or which bus to, to get on, and, and for me, uh, that's the game with airplanes. Okay. We're going to get all your inside tips and tricks in a minute with airplanes and hotels. First, I'd like to hear some of your pet peeves. 
when you're flying, when you're getting on a plane? Um, I can't stand it when people get on the plane and they're staring at their ticket and they still have no clue as to where they're going. That's like, if it's row 37, don't dilly-dally at the front. Just keep going. Just keep walking. Keep going. I, it's funny. You can always tell when people are getting on the plane who travels and who doesn't. And it's, it's from their immediate reaction. They make that right turn down the center aisle, and you can just see it. It's a look of, of fear in their eyes, it's of uncertainty, and trying to figure out oh my what's God, the it's, it's A, B, and C on the right. This D and F on the left. Wait, now how do those how do those letters work? You can tell immediately. My, my and they do everything with pictures now. There's a picture of a window and a picture of an aisle. There was one woman on a flight about six months ago. She was three uh, C. She gets on the plane and she's walking and she just keeps walking. She's like, "Where's three C?" And she walked all the way to the back of the plane and then had tried to walk up like a salmon while it was boarding. <laughs> and I, I thought. If, if you're that out of touch, you don't deserve to sit in 3C. No, you don't. I have, you really should be in 33C. Exactly. Or 33E. Or, or strapped into 3E. the bathroom. Exactly. And that look of fear and wonderment that you were just describing when people get on the plane, it's like they've never... It's like they're in Willy Wonka's factory. They've never seen anything so amazing before, and it just stops them in their tracks. There's a certain etiquette to flying. Let's talk about that. And uh, my, my biggest pet peeve is, is the... Stander uppers. The plane has pulled into the gate, and everyone stands up as though that from from the back they're all of a sudden going to be able to charge forward and uh, and make it to the front of the plane before anyone else. There's always one guy that gets two extra rows ahead. He does. He leaps, and I watch for those guys. If I see that, I'll stand up and I'll get my elbow out there and just make sure he stops at my row. Zach, I have this philosophy that um, you know, when you sit down next to someone and they start talking you up a little bit. I'm, I'm, I'm good for a little bit of that conversation. But then at some point, I, I almost want to remind them, like, you know, we, we didn't choose to sit next to each other. We were actually randomly assigned these <laughs> seats. And, uh, you know, if the conversation goes well, fine, I'll keep it going. But otherwise, then you can go to the headphones. And do, you, is, do you have a smooth way to transition from talking to, do you actually say, hey, I'm going to listen to music now? Or do you just kind of surreptitiously put them in and turn away? You know, it all starts from the Because you're a very beginning. polite person. Well, you start at the beginning, and that is that you start with the headphones in. And that way, you now control that conversation. So then somebody sits down, I take them out, I'm very polite, hi, good morning, and then, boom, I, I go right back in. And that way, if they're too much of a talker, then you can kind of control that. Nice. That is an excellent, actionable tip. We'll call that tip number one. Great. Start with the headphones in, because I never... I don't have the social skills that you do. I can't start chatting and then turn away and put the phones in. So typically, I just don't talk to anybody on the plane. It's easier that way. Otherwise, it just yeah, it's hard it to turns stop. into an, a five-hour cross-country yeah. conversation. Yeah, which sometimes it can be okay. Not a five-hour one, but you know. But sometimes people. One time, I got sat next to a plane going from L.A. to Vegas, and there was some kid who I think was shuttling from one divorced parent to the other. And they sit the kid next to me. Unaccompanied minor. Unaccompanied minor. And we're on a Southwest flight. The kid's sitting next to me, and he was probably eight years old. And he was upset, I could tell. So I started t- chatting with him a little bit. And then he just started jabbering the whole flight. Oh, my God, look at my G.I. Joe. And he was a cute kid. I kept talking to him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, 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 blah. There's a place uh, when you're flying into Vegas, when you hit those mountains, the mm-hmm. Sierra Mountains. Yep. And the plane always goes, boom. It drops. Yep. Freaks you out. So as we're doing that... This kid's next to me. He's telling me about his G.I. Joe's. Boom, boom, boom. All of a sudden, the plane goes, and he goes, ooh, 
that scared my penis loudly. <laughs> and I just felt everyone on the plane stop and stare and kind of look at our in your hands. <laughs> I'm like, I'm doing nothing. I'm doing nothing. He goes, oh, that was weird. Anyway, about my G.I. Joe. So you know, I sound rude about not talking to other people, but I'll tell you this. It, it really depends on where you're at on the plane. What airline are you flying? I mean, there are a lot of things that come into play in terms of that. Have you ever sat next to someone you really wanted to talk to, like a, a big wig at an airline or somebody? I, I have sat next to a lot, of, a lot of interesting people. I mean, over the years, you just, you just never know who you might sit down next to. And as a frequent flyer, a lot of times you're moved up to first class, and all of a sudden now you're sitting next to businessmen, politicians. What's your airline? I'm, I'm a United guy. And what's your status level? I am. Is it secret? I am. It, it is. I am in an unspoken club within United. Uh, there's a sort of a secret class uh, above 1K, which is the top tier. It's called Global Services. Uh, it's a status I achieved just this last year, and I'm kind of still getting to know it and enjoy it. Is but that what uh, that big ring is on your hand? <laughs> it should give you a crown. Um, Why are you shrouded but, uh, in a turquoise robe? <laughs> that was a lot of pudding. No, and I'll tell you what, I was uh, about six months ago, I boarded the plane, I got to sit down in uh, seat 2A, and the seat next to me in first class was, was open, and the flight attendants, as I, had, as I boarded the plane, I noticed that there was this big group of executives, there was like a, almost a greeting party, I was there and they were all talking, and um, I got on the plane, and the flight attendants, there's just, maybe there was some anxiety or something was, was you different. Sense you could sense it. You could sure sense it. Travel. And that seat just sat open, and the pilots and the, and the flight attendants, you could tell that we were, we were waiting on someone, waiting on something. And around from the corner comes Oscar Munoz, the CEO of United, into that empty seat next to me, and he sits down. I, you know, and you recognize it. I, I, I think I do, you know, but you don't want to go down this. This, I mean, he's just a, a handsome Hispanic gentleman, you know, well dressed and and uh, and comported, and, and he you know, he sat down. And the problem is when you're sitting next to someone, you don't get this, you know, front frontal view of their face. You're, you're looking at them profile, and it's not a view you're really used to. So discreetly, I, I pulled out my United Hemispheres magazine and <laughs> turned to the welcome CEO welcome letter. And thankfully, at the bottom was a little picture, and I'm, I'm sort of holding it up and looking down Doing at the magazine and looking up at him and trying not to get caught doing this the whole time. Right. Well, needless to say, the headphone came out right away. Sure. And, uh, and uh, so I just I said, good morning, and, and he plugged in his phone and, uh, and you know, started, started emailing away and so he he put you off at first. I, you know, I mean, I think he was just polite, but okay. uh, I, I didn't acknowledge that I knew who he was, and I'm sure you know this is his office in the sky, right? So Literally, I'm sure that he probably wanted his personal space, just as I want my personal space exactly. out there. So I, I respected that for a, a limited amount of time until peanuts came out, <laughs> until the warm nuts. Well, they. Um, you know, the meal came through, and he was, he was very polite about it. He said, they came, flight attendants come through and ask you about your choices, and he politely said to the flight attendant, you know, well, I'll have whatever's left. Go ahead and ask all the rest of the passengers first. And I came through and served our, our meals, and I, at, at that point, I thought, well, he's eating, and I'm eating. We'll just make a, make a meal of it together. So, so Oscar and I had lunch together, oh, that's and uh, I just let him know. It was, gosh, he was... A couple years in, and I, I just let him know how um, that you know he, he came on board at a really tough time for the airline. 
first of all, he starts his job. He has a heart attack right away. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then United starts to go through the, uh, the, uh, some service issues involving people. Pulling, with, losing people teeth, screaming <laughs> off the plane. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I just let him know that I, I thought that he was making nice progress, that moving an organization of the size of United is like moving a mountain and mm-hmm. you can only do it slowly. And, so we had, we had a nice... Did he tip you with some frequent flyer miles? Uh, <laughs> 10K kid? No, no like, such thing. Just a nice, polite conversation with this guy. Okay, cool. All right, so the, obviously you fly in the front of the plane all the time. A lot of people that listen to the show would like to fly in the front of the plane, but maybe don't have the financial wherewithal to always do that. How about some tips and tricks to maximize the loyalty programs of the various airlines and hotel programs and other programs that we may not even know exist. How can we get from point A to point B less expensively with a little bit of your insights? Well, I'll tell you what, and I think that these comments are largely, well, I'll just say the number one most important thing that you can do as a flyer is be loyal. Pick an airline. Pick one. Pick one airline. And what airline works best for you is, is different based upon what kind of a traveler you are. And where you live. And where you live. What your right? airport so, is. Right? So I'm Chicago. So for me, it's United or American. Those are the two primary choices. I, I have a coworker who at one point said, I, I really like the Delta planes. I think I'm going to fly Delta. <laughs> Move to Atlanta. <laughs> That's what I said. I said well, we're not opening an office there anytime soon. But you know, because the, the options for direct flights are, are really key. So I think in the major markets, um, you know, picking, choosing a hub airline is actually... Probably, probably your best choice. And and then if you're not in a in a market that's served by a hub, truth be told, I think that Southwest is not such a bad airline because you end up picking up a, a number of a number of uh, different flight options that are direct, and then they've got a nice little business model. But for for people who want to fly internationally, you're really going to be looking at the big three: United, American, and Delta, mm-hmm. and and that's about it. And I say pick one, and I pick one and stick with it. Um, and the reason I say that is is that I'm approaching two million miles. At the one million mile mark, I mean, I, all kinds of benefits start to kick in. Gold status for life. So anytime I fly United, even if I stop traveling, which hopefully someday I get to do, um, I still get my status for as long as I live. Man, my dad has that. And, and what does that? What does gold status give you? Well, I mean, gold status gives you priority boarding and free bags, and you know, really, it, it, you you are in that sort of that top tier, uh, you know, in the top two tiers of of flyers on that airline. And then what's better than that is that you get with a million mile miler status, you get to name a spouse or significant other as your partner, and they too get your level of status. For as long as you live. Automatically, so, without having so to travel. My wife, who puts up with a horrible travel schedule of mine, right. actually derives a benefit through my loyalty. And now when she flies, she gets the same sort of treatment that I do. And, you know, it's, it's, it goes a long way. And do they give you any kind of discount on pricing or you're still paying rack rate for everything? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that there's no such thing as really a free lunch when flying, right? So um, I, I travel on paid tickets for business and I try to maximize my benefits personally. Right. Um, and so, you know, when I say be loyal, those loyalty programs, and, and I think that United, American, and, and Delta, the, the three of them, they're all pretty comparable. In their but they've policy. changed a lot in the last couple of years, right? Now, isn't it based on what you spend as opposed to miles? Yeah, and they've all sort of done that together, right? So one, one, typically one program will decide to do something that maybe favors the airline and doesn't necessarily favor the passengers, and 
well, that quickly enables the other two to sort of follow suit. Yeah. So it does it does feel a little bit unfair. And, Although and they, Southwest hasn't made that change yet. Well, I mean, Southwest is still basically you know awarding you in in points that are equivalent to dollar spend and also charging you in points that are essentially equivalent to dollar spend. Okay. So one would say that they've sort of always been on that model. At least oh, it's not mileage. I thought it was mileage on Southwest. It's not. Oh, okay. Let's see. Not. You learn something new. Every show. That's what I learned today. <laughs> Continue. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I say pick one and pick one for a long time because a lot of the benefits, you know, some people don't fly as much as I do and, and, and they really do, they really do add up. But the, the, the baseline of entry and when you hit that 25,000 mile marker, that's when things really start to start to kick in and, um, you know, free bags, being able to choose your seat, being able to choose premium seats. Um, that's really where where that all starts to kick in, and then also, what, the more you fly, the more you're rewarded in miles. And I think that uh, yeah, so there are bonus miles that get awarded based upon your status level. So people flying that haven't reached those thresholds, they're sort of just grinding it out dollar for dollar, mile for mile. But as you start to move up, so once you hit twenty five thousand miles in a year, each mile that you fly is worth more than worth one. worth more. And if you go to 50, it's worth even more. And uh, 75,000 worth even more and 100,000 worth even more. Because they're, they're working the other side of that equation. They want you to be loyal just to one airline. The right? more loyal you are, the more you get rewarded. Okay. What about credit cards? Does it make sense to have a single airline credit card? Well, you know, again, if you want to maximize your miles, then, um, and let's talk about two different things. Okay. So first of all... Um, you know, a credit card will earn you miles on your airline that you can spend. But there are two different kinds of miles. As a frequent flyer, we're always counting our miles in the bank, the ones that we can use to buy tickets and other benefits. But then we have what we call premier qualifying miles. And these are actually the miles that you fly that count towards your status. Okay. So if you want, when I say to achieve 25,000 miles, I'm talking not about credit card spend. I'm talking about actual they call it butt-in-seat miles, the physical miles that you fly without any bonuses, uh, or sometimes called premier qualifying miles. The two are, are different, but for the purpose of this conversation, we'll say they're the same. So um, you have to fly 25,000 miles to really get the, those benefits. And the airlines, United, American, and Delta, they don't count your credit card spend towards, towards those your qualifying miles. miles. But there's one airline that does, mm -hmm. and it's Southwest. And, and, you know, I am a United loyalist, but, um, but Southwest has an interesting, they're the only airline that I know of that really allows for you to qualify for their status program. It's companion pass is the one you really want on Southwest. Well, I have a companion pass. It's spectacular. So you must have gotten a credit card. I did. I got a credit card and they gave me 50,000 miles. And then you spend X, I think it was another, like... Another 50 or 60, I think? No, 3,000 miles. Yeah, and then we got. Uh, I got a companion pass for the remainder of that year and the entire next year. And then your spouse or whoever you designate flies for twelve, eleven dollars. They fly for the tax. Yeah, it's a it's a crazy cool system, um, and so that's one of those sort of uh, secrets to the system. And I'll tell you the secret that you uh, that that you really want to do with that is if you're going to do the Southwest credit card and try to get companion pass. You're going to use that bump, and then you're going to spend enough uh, and fly enough on the airline to qualify for companion pass. Do it in January. I screwed up. I did it in October. Do it in January know, because not right. only do you qualify for status that year, but you'll qualify for status 
the following year. So you only got 15 months of benefit out of it. But if you play it just right, you get 24. You can get 20, you know, 23 and a half, 24 months right. out of it. Yeah. And you can do that by how, how do you? Uh, can you query the airline directly and say, hey, do you have a credit card for me or do you have to wait for the offer to come to you? Yeah, that's a great question. I don't know, but uh, I I timed it out where we were able to, to initiate a corporate card on Southwest and then a personal card for me on Southwest at the same time. And with a few dollars spent and a couple of Southwest flights pretty much a month later, I had qualified. Um, but the, the big one, I think, is when they say the 50,000-point special is out there for signing up for the credit card. And mm-hmm. that gives you the, the biggest boost toward companion status. Okay. All right. That's, so that's a huge one. That works really well. Um, I don't know that we clarified what companion pass actually is. Go ahead. Which is every time you fly on Southwest Airlines, your companion can fly for you for free even if you're flying on award miles. Mm-hmm. That's the crazy part about it, is that I, I did a flight with my wife and my daughter on Southwest. She's a lab child. And so the three of us, because she's under the age of two, flew for for the cost of, for free. I think it was 11 bucks. You pay 11 bucks. You pay the tax. You pay the tax. And that was that was just incredible. And for I a domestic for airline, it's great. I mean, if you don't mind the lineup process and... Uh, it, fighting for your seat, which is no, not that bad. I'll tell you what, I think Southwest is a great airline. The challenge is the people that fly it. <laughs> so I'm a business yes. traveler, and uh, I'll tell you what, when I'm flying on one of the you know the big three, I fly United a lot, I, I, I sit next to a lot of business people, and it's kind of the same thing, but boy, oh boy, if I'm going to Vegas for a convention or a show or to visit our Vegas office, you know... <laughs> There's good luck getting some work done between Chicago and Las Vegas. Even at like, it's 10, like in, in a circus, ten in the morning. Yeah, it's crazy. And There's so, a flight that leaves Burbank, uh, which is in the Los Angeles area. Uh, they start at like two o'clock on Thursday and Friday afternoons to Vegas, and typically ten to twenty percent of the plane are strippers in juicy sweats. <laughs> It's like I've been, I've been on that right. If you look around, it's, you're like, "Where the hell are we?" And they're dressed down in their juicy sweats and their giant glasses. But you could just go through the cabin and go, "Bing, bing, 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 bing." It's you know, it's just it's it's a. I I it's love the airline. I love the airline. Mm-hmm. I think it's. I they think have the it's, funniest. It's our great uh, safety announcements. They're always hilarious. They do. They do. Did anyone? Any, anybody drop this? I'm, I'm like immune to that one now. They say that every time, and then everyone looks up. And, Come on, you, you guys don't. You've heard this one before, um, but it's a it's a great airline. You know, where where I I think that if you're a frequent flyer, the minute you want to leave the United States, you've you've got to think about one of those. You've sure. got to think about one of those big three, and that's where it. So if we if we move from that twenty five thousand tier, and now we get into the fifty seventy five, and then really the the ultimate tier, the the. Is is a hundred thousand miles and Delta in one year? In one year, hundred thousand. So that's two thousand miles a it's, week. It's essentially flying somewhere between three and four times around the world. Um, yeah. Over the course of over the course of one year, when you achieve that level of status, you get all kinds of crazy cool benefits. One of the cool benefits when you achieve those levels are the international upgrades, and you know you can buy a, a ticket to Europe for between. You know, maybe five hundred to a thousand dollars, and because you have these upgrades, and different airlines provide a different number. United, you get six, I think, and um, you can convert a coach ticket into international 
business class uh, and do that four to six times a year. Free? For, well, I mean, you paid for your coach ticket, but right. you get to it for free. Wow. And that ticket, round trip, could be anywhere between 5000 and 10000 So think about the value of those upgrade coupons, and that is, that's where the good stuff is. Uh, in premier status, and if if you if you haven't flown international business class, I mean this is the these are the glory days. Uh, this brings you back to the glory days of airline travel. I mean, there's a newspaper cart. There is a socks. They give you socks. Yeah, they do. They give you a whole amenity kit. There's there's a, a, a eye shade and a toothbrush, toothbrush, usually. toothpaste, lip. Uh, balm and mm-hmm. uh, I mean all, all kinds of fun who's got the most luxurious international first class well you see so that's the challenge there right so when you're loyal you stick with your airline so I can sing all kinds of praise about United's uh, new Polaris level of service I, I think it's great it's also pretty much the only one I know <laughs> you know I, I, I fly Lufthansa on occasion um, it's a, it's a great cabin. The service is very Germanic. Um, <laughs> Do you like more peanuts or not? Um, well, KLM was beautiful. We flew on the top deck of the 747 back and forth to Amsterdam. It's, and that was luxuriously nice. Those, you know, United, just, they just phased those out. I got to do a, a couple trips in the, on the top of that um, before that. But they, they just retired it within the last year. So I know. Who, uh, explain the alliances. Like there's the, it's a bit subversive. It, title, right? it sounds like a Bond film. You've got like the United the Star, Star Alliance, and, yeah. And then what's the American one? Uh, one World, yeah. And uh, so and Delta is what? Uh, I may have them wrong. See again, I, I don't. I'm not. It, once you've picked, and then you, then you really you don't, United is your yeah. That's your girlfriend. You, it is. Life. Yeah, it is. We're married. I, I I don't know if I think I started to tell you I was global services on United. It's an interesting level of status. They don't publish the criteria for it. So how do you know you are? Well, they, they send you a letter, and they send you a, a welcome packet with luggage tags and a coaster. But it's a very discreet level of service. As they use a, an unpublished revenue qualifier. And, and by the way, everything I'm telling you is just from reading blogs because no one except United knows. So it's like Fight Club. <laughs> there, is, there is no, there is no global <laughs> services. Mark, have you been to the United Terminal at uh, at O'Hare? Yeah, so like a million times. Yeah, you go through the TSA pre-check lane. There's uh-huh. this like, there's this door that's there. It's a glass door right by the TSA agent. Yeah. Well, it used to be I'd be going through the line, and this door would open, and some business person usually would walk through it and cut right in line in front of you. Like, uh, who is this jerk? Who do you think you are? Oh, I got the I got the letter. There's a little lounge that's hidden over to the side, with with plenty of, of gate agents. There's never a wait. You have to they have to check your name when you go into the lounge, and then they escort you to that glass door, and the glass door opens, and boom, there you are, next in line every time. Wow! And it's it's a super cool level of service. Um, I I had a uh, if you're tight on a connection, mm-hmm. they're watching your flights. Um, and they have people at the airport where now they will, if you're on a tight connection, this just happened to me a couple weeks ago in Houston, um, I was maybe going to misconnect, and Houston's a huge airport. And uh, so do you know where the, they usually line the wheelchairs up there on the ramp as mm-hmm. people go to get off the plane, sometimes they hold up a phone with a person's name on it. Well, 
this time it was there was my name was on the thing and I was like I didn't order a wheelchair you know <laughs> there must be some mistake but the woman was wearing this gold scarf and this is the part of that discreet level of service so on United the global services reps wear these gold scarves they don't they don't announce who they are but you see this gold scarf or gold tie and you know and she says oh Mr. League she says um, you've got a tight connection I'm, I'm here to help you like an angel and and I'm like, thank God, I was gonna, I was gonna be running, figuring I was gonna miss my flight. And she opens the door to the, the ramp to go downstairs, and, um, and onto the tarmac. Onto the tarmac. I was like, God, I mean, I've, I'd heard about this, but I, I never thought it was gonna be me, you know. And so she walks me down. Do you, just, do you have everything? Yeah, I have everything. So she walks me down the stairs, and there's this this beautiful brand new Mercedes sitting there with a driver waiting for me. He opens the door, you get in, and instead of running through the airport, jumping onto a tram, getting off the tram, running to the gate, they they drive me around the airport in this Mercedes. We're waiting for planes to pass by, the baggage carts are going by, and um, and they, they pull me up to to my plane. And I, I still can't believe that this is That's happening. That's very I, cool. I, and she says, so you're just gonna, she says, I'll, I'll walk you up the, up the ramp, the, plane is about to go mm-hmm. and I said do you, do you mind if we just take a quick picture <laughs> and, so, I, and everyone's so looking out the, the window plane. who is this asshole <laughs> I didn't see any middle fingers but I'm sure there were a few and so they, they I, I'm like you know, I never expected this and they, they took a picture and, and well you gotta enjoy the, the, the ride right it's neat you know I mean it, you put in a lot of hot, hard hours on a plane if you get a Something like that. I would take a picture too. I, it was fun, and you know, it's like. You know, what happened when you walked on the plane? Did you get stink eye from people, or? I was in the I was in the first row, so nobody really. <laughs> nobody. I just kind of got on, sat sat down, and closed the door, and we took off. It was a pretty. Wow. It was a pretty cool experience. That loyalty is definitely rewarded. Okay, so we want to pick one airline. We want to get that credit card and work that credit card. Are there? What about? Finding the cheapest rate from point A to point B, is it always cheaper to go direct? Is it sometimes, I know friends that'll take extra connections to get extra points for their loyalty program. Where do you fall on all that stuff? Yeah, yeah, and a lot of times, you know, people do that. I've had to do that at the end of the year where you're like, gosh, I'm not gonna make it, and you end up doing these mileage runs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, <clears throat> uh, for a long time, we, we had this Las Vegas office, and I was having to commute to Chicago and, and, and back and forth, and Chicago being a hub, there, there was a trick where for a long time, and I, I don't know if you can still do it today, but um, a direct flight between Las Vegas and Chicago, a lot of times booked at the last minute, could be pretty expensive. But sometimes if you would look at flights to neighboring cities to Chicago, like cities that you'd have to fly through Chicago to get to, sometimes those cities would be less expensive. So for a number of years, and I'm Sorry, United, to admit this, <laughs> but we used to fly from, uh, you could fly from Las Vegas, look at the O'Hare flight, see it was too expensive, and then I would start a search, concentric ring sort of around Chicago, Milwaukee, Madison, uh, looking at uh, Bloomington, Normal, Illinois, uh what was it? Cedar Rapids, Iowa, Lansing, Michigan, Grand Rapids. And I would search all of those little cities, and you could plug it into other search engines like Kayak is mm-hmm. one that I would use for that. And sometimes you could see that flying to Grand Rapids on Tuesday, departing Las Vegas at the same time in the morning, 
flying to Grand Rapids might have been $200 less than flying to Chicago O'Hare. And oh, by the way, guess what? To go there, you had to fly in the same flight from Vegas to Chicago. And so and then connect and, and then, then go connect. to Chicago to Cedar Rapids. Yeah, yeah, but but um, but the airline. What I, I learned pretty quickly is that there's no one there at the airport assigned to taking passengers that are missing and throwing them onto the airplanes <laughs> that they that they didn't book themselves onto. So for a while, I figured out a way that you could you could book these indirect uh, you could book cities past your final destination, but you can't check a bag. Oh, if no. you check a bag, that bag was going to wherever you needed it to go. But I'm pretty sure for a little while on, on uh, at O'Hare, I was on a first-name basis with uh, many of the uh, gate agents. Last call for Ryan League. <laughs> we're constantly That's badging. a great tip. What's the most cost-effective day of the week to fly? Yeah, well, I'll, I'll tell you. I mean, no matter what, the most expensive days of the week to fly okay. are going to be um, Mondays and Fridays. They're always going to be They're always going to be challenging. The midweek flights are usually pretty good, so Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you'll tend to find pretty good rates, fares. Thursday afternoons, those start to get pretty dicey and expensive. Mm-hmm. And then Saturdays, you got to think about the markets that you're going to as well. You know, buying a flight, I, I, I booked probably over 100 flights between Chicago and Las Vegas over the years. And you know, when I, I think about my Friday afternoon, Thursday afternoon flights to Vegas, oh my gosh, I probably paid the most for those. And the same thing coming back, right? Nobody wants to come back from Vegas on a Thursday to Chicago. You want to spend the weekend there, right? right. So, so it, a lot of it depends upon the route that you're that you're wanting to take. And I know there are a lot of uh, websites out there that say you know, you know that can help you forecast when you should buy tickets. As a business traveler, unfortunately, I, I just when we have a meeting, when we have a project, we you know, go we book we book early and we go. Um, I, I will say for. Um, you know, for for our team, uh, you know, the change fees on the airlines have gone up considerably. Except on Southwest, you know, and I that was where I was headed with it, and it's it's kind of interesting. I think for your everyday traveler, that that model, especially if you if your plans do change from time to time, um, you, you don't get the money back necessarily unless you bought the expensive ticket on on Southwest. But you're able to use it again, and that's pretty cool. With without, no without, penalty, yeah. I mean, on the other airlines, you're you're paying a. 125, 150. Internationally, you could be paying 500 on some tickets, um, and that's why. That's just not because they say so. Yeah, it's kind of a uh, nasty, and you don't you don't get exempted from any of those rules as a. No, uh, you know, I think that that's the, I think that that's the thing is that, with any airline, with any anyone, there there are always exceptions, right? And and at the other on the other end of the phone are generally our people. And uh, and sometimes you'll find um, that uh, that you'll find you'll get an exception. But no, even at the highest levels of status, um, you're still paying change fees. I was living in Las Vegas, and I had some projects in uh, the LA area, and I wasn't sure which flights I was going to be flying on, and uh, and I wanted to get low fares, and so I actually was booking flights on Southwest well in advance to get the super bargain basement. I mean, sixty nine dollar mm-hmm. fares with completely expecting that I would probably be canceling some of those um, but it was $69 versus $350 one way or something if I didn't do it in advance yeah. and then cancel those and then just use it for another flight mm-hmm. that was a, it's, it's, it's great the way that they, the openness of their system is do you have any good funny 
horrific travel stories? You know, on the red eyes, the rules of recline are everyone reclines. Mm-hmm. I mean, because you should be going to sleep. So I start to recline, and bam! My seat is just instantly jammed forward. I mean, like thrust forward. My finger's on the button, so the seat's like going, and I just get tossed forward. From the person behind. behind. Yeah, so we had like leveled off, and now, you know, now I start to recline again, and I can feel the knee like right in the middle of the seat. And and then I was like, well, if if this is going to be a game, then I'll I'll just start, and we'll make it a game. Because I feel like you pay for the seat, you get the recline, especially on a red. Absolutely. So so I kind of start rocking, you know. And then, and I wait for the pressure on the seat, then I stop for a second. I wait for the pressure on the seat to... To, to cease and I press the button again and I boom quickly throw myself back as far as I could go he was you know unaware you of the and he and then <laughs> the second later he realized I've done it boom pushes me forward again I thought this is not this is not going you know this is not going to go anywhere I need to get some sleep so seatbelt light um, goes off and I walk to the back of the plane flight attendant that I know is back there and I said Jack you're not going to believe this but this guy behind me won't won't let me recline. Not only will he not let me recline, but he's like forcefully like ejecting me forward. And Jack, as as I'm I'm leaving, he says, just when you go sit down, just I'm going to follow you about 10 steps behind just to observe what's happening. And so I sit down in my seat and quickly, uh, you know, before the guy behind me could realize I was reclined again. And with the most force that I had, I had received, boom, proceeds to try to eject me again. And flight attendant says, sir, <laughs> You've just assaulted a passenger. <laughs> it's like you need to you need to come with me. Oh, that's <laughs> great. Uh, I don't know that he. Who I, was it? Did you ever see him? Did yeah, him? it was it was an old guy. So I, I, I leave out the part that it was an old guy and, and his wife, and, and they had previously told me they that they had told me that like I wasn't entitled. That was his space. She's just kind of shouting at me. There's some as an older man, and he's the flight attendant. He said, you know, I took him to the back and I imagine gave him a choice between staying in that seat and allowing me to recline or choosing a different seat. And the, mm-hmm. the man, the man moved. But it was, it was a contentious battle for 25 minutes there. But that is your space. You're entitled to it. If, you, if the seat reclines, you can recline. I agree. Let's recap your top three tips to save money and be a smarter flyer. Even if you're not flying 100,000 miles a year, how can you fly like you do? Number one, pick an airline. Pick an airline. Stick with it. If you need to pick, pick a second, you, know, you can hear me. My second is Southwest. Yeah. But pick an airline. Be loyal. They'll be, they'll be loyal to you. Okay. And you're not, you are not being paid by United. You are not affiliated with them in any way, shape, or form. No. It, conversely, it's tens of thousands. Just want to make sure people no, know that I, this is not a paid endorsement, no, but uh, and I, and it's I, excellent I, advice. Yeah, and, I, you know, and I will say... The best airline in the world is the one that you have status on. Okay. That's sort of tip number two. Again, it goes back to that loyalty. Tip number two. The least crowded, least expensive days to fly, typically Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? Tuesday, Wednesday. Yeah. I mean, if you're looking for a lower fare and, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe an empty middle seat, although those feel like they're kind of gone. Um, Yeah. uh, I'd pick pick those days. Again, for leisure, but I'd pick those. And know where you're flying. A Saturday, no one's going to be leaving Vegas on a Saturday. Chances are that plane will be emptier, therefore the prices will be lower. We haven't talked about hotel loyalty programs. Is there one hotel chain that you feel gives the best value for frequent travelers? I'll tell you what, getting 
elite status in hotels requires an ungodly number of stays. And the points and don't the points, really matter. They're, no, they're not as valuable. I mean, it takes a lot longer for those points to to really add up. So. I mean, I've, I've tried to use my Hilton points, and it seems like it's forty to 45,000 points a night yeah. for a room, yeah. just a regular room. Yeah, I went to use them at the, at the Hilton Cavalieri in Rome, and it was like 65,000 a night. And it's... It'll take me, I don't know, a year at Hilton to, 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 get, one to night. get one night. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, the hotel points—they're not—they're not as uh, they don't have as much value. Mm-hmm. I don't think as the as the airline points do. Um, but again, if you start talking about that loyalty, Marriott, Starwood, Marriott specifically, and United have a program where they match elites. So again, those airlines—they want to attract those business travelers. So Marriott made what I think is a smart decision. They changed me. I used to be a Hilton guy, and then when I, when Marriott offered gold status to anyone at United that was gold or higher, I switched to Marriott. It's kind of a cool thing. I don't know if you know this, but the airlines will status match, too. I didn't know that. So um, we'll take Southwest out of the equation, but the big three, and I, I even I think that JetBlue and, uh, and Alaska, I think that they even, they even look at this. Well, at least they'll consider other airline status. So let's say a Chicago guy like me moves to moves to Atlanta, a huge Delta hub. If I wanted to, I could switch to Delta and I wouldn't have to start off at square square one. Mm. They will get Do you have to renounce your you do you, do, you know you don't you can actually you can have status on multiple airlines. But um, what Delta would ask for you to do is they would ask first what that you prove that, uh, that you are a frequent flyer. And then oftentimes, and it depends upon the airline, they'll give you a challenge. Over the next three months, Mark, you need to fly 25,000 miles, spend $4,000, and uh, uh, you know, I, I don't know what else they Not recline your seat. Yeah. <laughs> but, but they'll give a challenge. And if you meet the challenge and fly enough on their airline, like that, overnight, they'll make you that new status. Hmm. And some airlines will only do that once in your lifetime. But it's something. It's a cool thing. So you never really have to, you know, you wouldn't have to go without status uh, as you okay. change. One app for hotels that I use all the time is Hotel Tonight, which if you can stand getting on a plane without a hotel room where you're going, you'll get great deals, like fifty percent off typically. That's great. You know, we're um, so I, as a company, we're not as loyal uh, with hotels as we are airlines, and we use Hotels.com. And what's great about it is it doesn't matter where you stay. Um, once you hit 10 nights, you get a free night. Oh, right. 10 nights, free night. And it averages how much you spent across all those hotels, and that's the value of the free night. And if you want to choose a hotel that maybe you had a $200 value on that award and you want to spend, stay in a hotel that's $250, when you apply the $200 and you, you pay an extra $50 bucks and, and, and you've got your hotel room. So I, we use that, and, and we, we, we capture a, a lot of free nights from uh, some of our freelance folks that are out there. It's, we like it. Mm-hmm. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for opening up your 20 years of experience of uh, business travel and uh, sharing all your insider tips. We didn't even know that there was the secret status at United. Secret door. So the next time you're at ORD, folks, check out that glass door right inside TSA. Peer in there and see if you can see Ryan's face. We've been talking to Ryan League of L37 Creative, a mover and shaker in the United world, personal friend of Oscar Munoz. (laughs) <laughs> I'm not sure he'd say that, but, but I can. Uh, thanks for being on the show, Ryan, and I will see you somewhere down the road. 
looking forward to it, Mark. Wow. Yeah. See? Right. That's why. He's like he, he, he's he's like the Buddha of miles. <laughs> the oracle. Right. You climb the mountain and you ask him, how can I get to St. Louis from Denver without spending too many miles? And he'll tell you. He should have said, you're not going to climb the mountain. Why would you climb the mountain to ask me? Just pick up a phone. Well, actually, yeah. Why climb the mountain when there's a, there's a shuttle out back? So thanks, Ryan, for sharing all your tips and tricks with us gleaned over your two million miles of air travel. Want to travel like Ryan League? Here are a couple of life hacks to make your travel day smoother. Hopper. Track upcoming deals and trending flight prices right on your phone. Hopper tells you when it's the best time to purchase or pass on the deal. You can also save your favorite searches to be used again later. TripIt. Organize your travel itineraries, including flights, hotels, real-time flight tracking, alerts on delays, track your miles and points, and you can even share itinerary with family members. Keep all your travel organized with TripIt. LoungeBuddy. Find the lounge closest to your gate, find out available amenities and how other travelers rate it. LoungeBuddy tracks which lounges are free and how you can access them. Handy app for layovers and delays. Seat Guru. Don't get stuck in a seat that doesn't recline with no entertainment options. Find out all about your specific seat, whether it reclines, exact legroom, and if your flight is likely to have Wi-Fi. I want to tell you some more about the Dish Tailgater Pro. This is a great satellite dish for you, especially during the fall. You've got football, you've got baseball, you've got hockey, you've got basketball, all these things going on. And if you happen to be out of your house... You, you, you can't get to your, your TV. I know. It's that... horrific. <laughs> I know. I, I can't imagine you without that. Well, not during the playoffs anyway. Yeah, no. And this is baseball playoffs time. Uh, luckily, there is such a thing called the Dish Tailgater Pro. You don't even have to be a Dish subscriber to uh, use it. You just use it when you need it, and then you turn it off when you don't. I can watch live news and sports anywhere in the continental United States in crystal clear HD. Even if I'm off the grid, like on a boat or at a tailgate party, or if I had a cabin in there. <laughs> and the best thing about it is you only pay for the months you use. Uh -huh. Dish offers pay-as-you-go programming from $34.99 a month. Can you imagine that with no contracts or credit checks? It's a, day, it's a dollar a day. Yeah, and you just activate the subscription and then turn it off when you're done. Right, so you could activate it during baseball season only and turn it off, or during football season only. You only pay for what you use, basically. And you don't need Wi-Fi. So you can say goodbye. It's crazy yeah, say not to need Wi-Fi. Right, just say goodbye to the constant buffering, searching for spotty Wi-Fi signals, and all the other connectivity issues that plague the sports fanatic. You don't need it. Any place you can see the sky, you can get your signal. Yeah, speaking of sky, it's weatherproof. It's rugged and it weighs only eight, eight pounds. Mm -hmm. Which means you can curl it. Which means you can what? Curl it. Curl it. Eight pound curl. Be oh, I thought you were talking about those Olympic wah, 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 no, that's, curling. That's curling. Curl, oh, okay. curl, curling them is when you work on your... Never mind. It means you can pretty <laughs> much haul it anywhere. You can mount it on top of your boat or your RV and then you just forget about it and wait till you see the Tailgater Pro in person. It's got a very cool smoke dome. Uh, so that you can see the satellite dish spinning around, looking for the satellite signal. It's great. And it's very affordable. Yeah, it is. TV Outdoors doesn't have to be expensive. The Dish Tailgater Pro is one of the more affordable, portable satellite antennas in the market, saving you over, what, 
1,000 versus comparable systems. Yeah. And you don't need to be a DISH subscriber. I can't emphasize that enough. I don't need DISH at home to get DISH outdoors. So call 1-833-TV4RV or visit DISHoutdoors.com. And use promo code PRO50 at checkout to get 50 bucks off your Tailgater Pro and DISH receiver bundle. Some restrictions may apply. The World Food Championships has grown over the past few years to be uh, the biggest food competition in America. Chefs, professional and amateur from all over the land, can compete and win money, thousands of dollars for their recipe at a big, huge event that he holds every fall in Florida. So let's find out more about it. Here is the Imperial Booftar of the World Food Championships. We're here at the fabulous Food Show in Cleveland, Ohio, talking to the the Imperial Booftar of the World Food Championship, <laughs> that Mike McLeod. I, no, I don't even know what that means. I, it sounds really cool. Right? I think the title is open. You should take it. I am. Tell everybody we'll what put the... put a dot com behind that one. <laughs> ImperialBooftar.com. <laughs> what are the World Food Championships? The World Food Championships are the largest food sporting event in the world. Yes, I, I called it food sport. Um, it, it is because uh, you can pull a muscle. If you they, do you, it right. you, and there's a lot of people who do pull muscles. Right. Great knees and break <laughs> arms and legs and stuff trying to turn in their food. Uh, we have th- uh, 342 teams coming into uh, the World Food Championships this year. We had nine categories. Uh, we treat it like the World Series of Poker, where you have to go through certain um, uh, tournament processes, get to the final table. Mm-hmm. Uh, we we treat it like the Westminster Kennel Club, the Olympics of food, the uh, we call it Munch Madness, sometimes like March Madness. <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit of everything. We took every conceivable See, that, metaphor of sports. Only we wrote the it all Imperial Booftar would even think of See? Munch Madness. See? But then we, we're we different. We're like the Westminster Kennel Club, but we're different because we eat the protein. Oh. <laughs> so this is a... It's a cooking competition for professional chefs, for backyard chefs, for mom it's, and pop it's, people. It's all three. It's a, a white collar, blue collar, and no collar. Uh, crowd coming in there. We have uh, professional chefs. We have professional teams. We have home cooks, and it's about they're all competing it, against it, each other. We or separate them, divisions. We, no, we put them in uh, the categories that they earn a golden ticket to. So we put a little Willy Wonka factor to it right. as well. Uh, they'll go into pasta, barbecue, chili, seafood, burger, sandwich, etc. And uh, they'll earn their way out. If they win that category, they win ten, 10 grand, and then they go into the final table where they can win one hundred thousand dollars. So. Wow. Uh, it's a pretty big deal. It's uh, this is our fourth year. Uh, we were in Las Vegas for three years. We just moved it to Central Florida. And how many and, people um, total compete each year? W- there were over 1,100 contestants on 342 teams from 17 countries and 40 states. Wow! Wow! How yeah. big is yeah. the, how big is the footprint it, of the venue? It's about two football fields. We took up a, a complete city block and created the world's largest outdoor kitchen arena, thanks to Kenmore. Um, they uh, they helped us put up 50 complete kitchen sets so that we can run 50 contestants at any given time. We do nine flights. We put them through a, an early round, uh, opening round process where they have to do two dishes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the top 10 have to create another dish after that. And then if they win, they get 10 grand and go to the final table. Wow. And then they have to create one more dish. And do people sit and watch this? Is it like a sporting oh, event? It's, it's like uh, food TV on steroids. It's like a mouth party. It's like a, there's a party in my mouth. And it's, like, it's, like a, it's like a tailgate. Oh, that's, that. It's a tailgate party going on, but you you, so you don't get to really eat it unless people are handing you the food. Right. They're, they're not supposed to. They're all focused on turning in five samples and one presentation dish because they got ten thousand dollars on the line. Isn't that bizarre? If someone had told you twenty years ago people would buy a ticket to come and watch somebody cook a dish, I would have thought they were crazy. I would have said they're smoking bones. Right. 
what, what do you think? Okay, what's, you're cracking me up. What is, <laughs> what's the attraction? What, what, why is it? Is it the drama of it's, the competition? It's food, man. I mean, common is the, uh, food is the common denominator to everything, and now it's become a sport. It really people love to compete, right? People love to travel. People love to eat. So we just took all those three things and created the World Food Championships. We Jeez. created the Super Bowl of food. We gave them a reason to, if you win the Topeka barbecue battle, you have another place to go. It's not just the king of Topeka. Topeka. You can come to the World Food Championships because you earned a golden ticket to compete against other champions. So it, there's pride on the line. Uh, there's money on the line. And the, the really, really cool thing about it is everyone can make a great dish, right? So if you can make a great dish and you want to be the king of your neighborhood or the king of your city when it comes to the grill or the grill master or whatever it is. You wait, have, wait. Mark is the grill master. Well, he's going to have to prove it. He's, oh. He needs to I'm come in. I'm not the grill master like these people. They, we, they know what they're doing. Well, I tell him he's a grill master because I don't want Because you don't like to cook. Yeah. So he can oh, enter. He can enter our steak challenge uh, presented by Kansas City Steaks. We call it the High Steaks Challenge. Oh, my God. So... Uh, and You're you, in the wrong business. You should just be, you should be the guy that names bands and okay. deodorants and things like that. Well, it's kind of a yummy business. Um, we we have loved this for so four, it's like four years the, now. It's like the the Kansas City Royal, the KCBS yeah. tournament. You win. Yeah. You're local. You go to the world. The the to the royal, right? And then yeah. you're adding an extra layer That's of right. competition. We're, on top we're, of we're taking it all the way to the top because uh, you have burger battles, sandwich slams, bacon fest. You have all these things that are occurring ac- across the country. I'm sure you see yes. a lot of them as you travel. So I we just we just decided. Yeah, no, bacon. Mm-hmm. Bacon won our championship last year. Well, of course. Uh, four years in a row, though, we've had a different category win this championship. We started out with sandwich, dessert one, then bacon one, and this year finally, uh, the granddaddy of food sport. Barbecue wanted. Lauren Hill is in the house here in uh, Cleveland. Nice. He's doing demonstrations. He's sharing his techniques on uh, great barbecue. So I can't wait to be on stage with him and learn some of his little secret tips that he's so, got to get away. And he won the Kansas City Royal, or the American Royal he's Kansas had a, City. He's had an unbelievable 45 days. In the last 45 days, he won uh, the American Royal. Which is uh, the World Series it, of Barbecue. It is the largest barbecue event. Uh, then we took that concept and added it at all the other categories because we wanted to be all inclusive. We want to play Switzerland with food, right? And uh, make sure that we had chocolate involved, <laughs> which that's why we created the dessert category. And no army. To but worry don't about. worry, we have a little roughage too because we had fresh this year. <laughs> so um, we put it all together and we, we decided if you can win your vertical, win barbecue, win bacon, win cheeseburger, uh, etc., then we're going to put you at the final table. We're going to see who has the best di- best dish. And that, no current. one else is doing that. No so, one's doing so it. So dessert is competing head-to-head with bacon and yeah. barbecue. Yeah. And that's, so, uh, so the way we looked at it, compare? <laughs> we, used, we had to come up with a complete proprietary system we call the EAT methodology. We can judge every dish on execution, appearance, and taste. We weighted those things, put it into a computer system, and we can spit out a score that levels the playing field for everyone. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to to, to see if the chef uh, created the dish that they intended to create. We even have a digital tablet so that our judges can punch in the number of the dish and up pops the name of the dish and a description of the dish, mm-hmm. just like you see in a restaurant. So if it says it has ghost peppers in there, now you know why your mouth is on fire. Oh. <laughs> uh, if it says it has uh, honey jam in there and you don't taste honey jam, you can score down on execution. So we've given judges the ability to actually rank uh, these chefs wow. on what they're trying to create with these dishes. And so you're you're being judged on like if you're making a pecan pie, but you can't taste and, it, and the, it's like pecan. the world's greatest pecan pie. You're being judged on how ten, how ten, well you execute it. Ten being the th- best thing you've ever put in your mouth as it relates to a pecan pie, and one being I will never eat this again. Right. 
and then that your system kicks out a score. That way, you can compare a stake. How exactly? I, I'm, in the world of stakes, worst stake to best stake. You got it. This is a 95. You got it. Pecan pie. It's a 98. We have four decimal points. We do a, a ratio. That's better than the Olympics, <laughs> man. It is exact. Someone last year, our hundred, uh, our grand prize is a hundred grand. Our second place at the final table is ten grand. Last year, less than half a point separated grand prize and second. So how did oh. Wade Fortin from Chicago, our two-time burger champion of uh, thirteen and fourteen, he lost ninety thousand dollars because of a half a point. Oh. That's not fair. But that's sports. There can only be one winner. You're right. I mean, I love that you just said there can only hate, be one because I have a. You know, we. I, <laughs> that's I, why I hate figure skating. Hey, we're not giving out a 13th place brown ribbon. Well, we're not, not everyone we're, gets we're a trophy. You you get a uh, you get a ribbon if you're in the top ten, and you get money if you're in the top ten because if you've made the top ten, you've done something yeah. really remarkable. Uh, but when you go to the final table, we really wait that first place because we want to ultimately have the biggest prize in all of food sport. I think we do right now outside of Pillsbury Bake Off. Um, but one day we're going to have a million dollar prize purse. Someone's going to walk off that stage with half a million dollars for a single dish that they create. How can people enter? They can enter through a qualifying series. You have to earn your way into the championship. Every January we publish on worldfoodchampionships.com all of our qualifiers. So maybe the Topeka barbecue battle is one of them. Uh, there are, and they're all over the country. They're all over the world. Um, we had 17 teams win their way into the championship this year. We just created the Canadian Food Championships, the Philippine Food Championships, and uh, uh, Poland Food Championships. So we probably will bring on about six countries next year officially. No but Canadians wow. are going to compete. They're too polite. They are polite. <laughs> no. I went up there. Oh, jeez, yours is so much better. You take the prize. I went, I went, you are so right. <laughs> I was in Canada. Uh, you know, they have summer for about uh, eight days mm -hmm. in Canada. And I was up there for all eight days uh, this summer, and uh, they did a fabulous job. They sent 18 contestants to the, uh, the World Food Championships. They had two in every one of our categories, and two of them won the categories. Uh, the burger champion and the chili champion were from Canada this year. How about that, right? But I remember when I was up there for those eight days, I never, I never heard one car. I was right in the middle of Edmonton. I never heard one car horn. So I knew I wasn't in L.A. <laughs> I, I, knew, I knew I wasn't in Nashville. That's right. A Canadian beat people from yeah. Texas and Kansas a and Can Chicago for chili? A Canadian beat out our two-time world burger champion, Wade Fortin, from Chicago this year. <gasps> oh, geez. That's horrible. Oh, no. That's not right. Yeah. yeah uh, you might not want to bring uh, Wade on for a little while. <laughs> so mean, he, He's still smarting from that one. <laughs> people can go to, to uh, worldfoodchampionships.com and see if there's a... An event, a qualifying event right. in we will their list area in January. They they can see what the 2015 qualifiers were, and more than likely, about 80, 85 percent of those will repeat as qualifiers for 2016. Mm -hmm. But in January, we will release the official qualifiers for 2016. So you have to win your local event, and then you can move on. If you don't win the local event, you're not invited to. It's only champions. Wow. Do you have any Latin categories? We don't yet. We haven't gone to um, a regional influence like that. Mm -hmm. uh, we are doing a World Chef Challenge, mm -hmm. which allows some, someone from any country to come in, and I think one day that's going to be our Olympic village. Uh, so until we do that, we're, we're not going, you know, Mexican or, or Latin mm -hmm. or um, uh, Asian or anything like that. We're trying to create certain iconic food 
brands that mm-hmm. have all kinds of interpretations. Because we, for example, so we if did, I can make a picadillo burger, that would be a great signature dish. Yes, and then I'm okay. going to make you uh, create a patty melt as well, because I'm going to level the playing field. In the in the opening in the opening round of our tournament, you have to create two dishes. Mm-hmm. Your signature dish, no matter what it is, where it's from, what it's based, as long as you can describe what it is and the judges know how to judge it, that's great. But then we level the playing field by saying you have to create uh, a, a patty melt. And or, everybody creates the patty melt as their second right. dish? Not their signature, as a, as a as structured, secondary dish. structured dish. Structured dish. So we take those two scores, mm-hmm. we combine them, and we create a top ten. And wow. at the top ten, we allow them to create any dish, any kind of burger they want, for example, but they have to infuse an ingredient. That's where we take our sponsors, like let's say we have honey. Um, uh, we would make them infuse honey in that top ten round, and, and the judges know they're trying to infuse honey so mm-hmm. it comes down to execution at that point point. and can you keep the same ingredients for example if my picadillo which is the minced meat that Cubans have don't you love how she says it uh, you say it I can, no way <laughs> I'm from the south I know I that's why I want to hear it I think it'll sound funny <laughs> it would, I, it, it would I have 18 it, syllables if I said it <laughs> <laughs> if I make it in um, if I make it out of like turkey and beef do I still need to keep the base turkey and beef and infuse it with honey yes okay yes you just need to find a way to infuse honey we don't tell you how to it mm-hmm. to do it. We actually look for your creativity on how you did it. Okay. Now, if you put honey in a ramekin and you say, dip my burger in the ramekin, no. that's not going to score very well. But if you were to infuse it in the bun, somehow that would be pretty cool. It really sounds like you've been able to take all these disparate kinds of foods and create, like you said, a level playing field where everybody can compete. That's Why has no one thought of this before? I don't know, but I hope they keep sleeping on it. Um, <laughs> But five years ago, when we created it, it just food competition wasn't where it was today. No, uh, food TV wasn't where it is today, and we just felt like they're these people are athletes, just like professional athletes. You know, at the end of the day, when you see um, uh, quarterbacks in the NFL, they shake hands at the end of the game, right? Well, what did we see a little while ago uh, at the little culinary kids mm-hmm. uh, cookoff? The, the two kids hugged each other after even after one of them oh, lost. Yeah. yeah. So that the culinary industry is is both passionate. And competitive, but also compassionate. So we felt like there needs to be a great grand bouffant moment, a culmination. Imperial bouffant. Okay, imperial <laughs> bouffant moment um, that uh, everyone can come together. And it's actually, I'm, I'm already feeling like it's turning into the world food homecoming because we throw a welcome party at the beginning, and everyone that's their favorite moment. That's my favorite part of the Kansas City the party. Royal. Oh, the, the, the American Royal <laughs> yeah. is the, the right. Friday night barbecue. Right. Oh, the best. Well, it's, it's where everyone lays down their shields and uh, they pick up their arms and, and they help each other and they pat each other on the back and they're like, hey, how have you been? How have the kids been? So we, we see that every year and then they go at it. You know, they got their knives up, they got their forks up, and you're not going to touch their meat when they're competing. <laughs> So, uh, don't touch my meat. You know, don't come into my kitchen, brother. But if you need something for my fridge, I'll give it to you. Right. As exactly. long as you ask nicely. <laughs> That's Mike McLeod. He is the Imperial Booftar of the World Food Championships, worldfoodchampionships.com. Can't even imagine the pressure, the preparation. It's like the Olympics of food. Wow. Right. It would be funny if they would make their food and then feed it to the lions and the Christians and see who survived. But I don't think that's actually going to happen. What are you talking about? It's it's about it's it's he has transformed cooking into a contest, which gets people involved and motivated, as does the cash, I'm sure. Mm. So thanks for Mike for coming on the show. That wraps up another episode of Fork on the Road. We want to thank our 
Two Million Mile Guru, Ryan League, for being on the show. Thank Mike McCollum, and thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Mark DiCarlo and on Instagram at Mark DiCarlo TV. And you can find us on iTunes and at a fork on the road show.com. So until next time, I'm Mark DiCarlo. And I'm Yenny Alvarez. And we'll see you at a fork on the road. Thanks again to Dish for sponsoring today's episode. You probably heard by now that the Dish Tailgater Pro portable satellite antenna is one of my favorite pieces of gear. It could be your favorite, too. All you have to do to experience the joy of HDTV outdoors and get 50 bucks off your very own Tailgater Pro bundle with the one and only clear dome is call 1-833-TV4RV or, or visit dishoutdoors.com and use promo code PRO50 at checkout. Some restrictions may apply. Just some.